part of people. Loco asking where the beats? Where the beats? Told you it was coming. These are not the beats. Yeah, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show presented by Prize Picks. I'm Dave Lochran, and today it is ownership. It is top stacks, first look of the week. Always an exciting show because we're trying to get a read on what things are going to look like by Sunday, and it's the first place we're doing it right here, nowhere else. Uh, and uh, by the way, follow me at Lafayette underscore D on Twitter. While you're there, say ho, hello to my wonderful co-hosts, Eric Linquist at Eric Linquist on the Twitters, Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski. Matt, what's cracking, brother? How we doing, Lafay? Doing good. Doing well. Me too, man. I was lucky enough to go to the Bucks game last night. I know you guys were talking about some NBA DFS, which I do not partake in, so I got to be a little spectator. It's, uh, it's weird because I don't get to do that for football. Yeah, I know. And Eric, we've got basketball back, so going to have a good amount of balls juggled up in the air over the coming months. But listen, this is, this is the probably best time for DFS out there. Now, I'm not going to lie. I actually loved, and I don't know where you were at on this. I loved the fact that we had basketball end and football start last year and then have like exclusively football and then basketball started right around Christmas. It was a wonderful thing, but still having a Christmas day or a Christmas day NBA, having Thanksgiving day football, the next coming, what, two or three months, you can't beat it. Yeah. I mean, my brain is a hodgepodge. Of, I don't know what, trying to figure out who plays for who, what's going on with what trying to build an NBA model while trying to react to my NFL model and putting things together. Luckily, we have all the tools here at awesome.com to make that a lot easier on me. I don't know where I would be without that at the moment, but I'm, I'm having a blast with it. I think, uh, I think today having 11 gamer, this is truly the official start of the NBA season. Uh, you know, two game slates, they're a lot of fun and such, but uh, looking forward to this one, it is going to be madness, but uh, NFL still rocking. We've got bye weeks. We've got a, a really interesting slate on our hands. So, uh, we're going to just keep on going there too. This daycare that I have that you have an app, right? And they send you pictures like of the kid throughout the day. And they just send the pictures as looking at flowers and exploring nature. They just have her sitting in a chair in front of this big bush with nobody <laughs> around her. Is that she, supposed to be encouraging? You say, how old is she? She's seven months. She's just sitting there in the chair staring at this giant. <laughs> cool. The back of her head. You can't even see her on? face. What? They have like a seatbelt in the chair on or something. Yeah. Just like yeah, don't go anywhere. Yeah. You just see the back of her head. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the other day they sent me one of the wrong kid. So I, oh, good. <laughs> that's in encouraging. The, you're right. a standout customer, Laffy. Yeah, you're absolutely. Getting the no, special treatment. Pretty good there, but that's just pretty funny, man. All right. Uh, let's, let's dive into this. Before we do, happy to have all of you guys with us. I know for sure that everyone that hangs out with us during NBA season, particularly on the true opening night like we have today, ride or die NFL people. We love this stuff and you love it as much as we do. So hammer that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And if you haven't joined yet, maybe you're new. Well, hey, hit that join down below. You don't have to. This content will always be free 100% of the time on YouTube. We'll never do anything to change that ever, okay? But if you want to join, get the custom emojis, the badges, uh, priority questions, shout outs, and all of that stuff and become part of the team while well, you can hit that join as well. So let's make this happen. Matt, I'm looking here at the Millie maker. And last week we had a pretty similar thing where a ton of single one entry or one lineup and two lineup people were in the top 30 this week, 23 of the top 30 in the Millie maker played two or fewer lineups. So back to back weeks now, where the 150 maxers really were basically edged out of the top 25, top 30. Yeah, that's Eric was talking before the show, how that's probably a good thing for DFS makes people think like, even with a single bullet that you could still be the one that takes down the Millie maker. And you absolutely could be running 150 doesn't necessarily give you an advantage. A lot of the 150ers are considered the sharp players, but you can certainly still build plus EV lineups. Even if you have a small bankroll and you want to just test out the Millie for fun, but you can, build like sharp stacks, run three, three players on one team, run it back with a player on the other team. 
nothing stopping you from just being a profitable player, even playing the milli. I just think it's going to take you a lot longer to realize whatever your potential edge, if you're only playing one, you know, Eric, you did the strategy show with Adam share on Monday. Sure did. Truthfully sure did. an unforgettable one, but um, so I know you are, I know you already looked. You're a good sport though, man. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. How about Greg Ehrenberg wearing a Homer Simpson that shirt on the show yesterday? That was great. Dude. He actually DM me. He goes, I figured you might appreciate this and I had lost it. <laughs> but um, so you did it already. I know you've looked at some of this stuff, but check out what the winning Millie maker lineup is. And, and we're going to get into ownership here. We're going to talk chalk. We're going to talk about our favorite pivots. Uh, you know, favorite low owned players and then get in the top stacks. Our top stack tool has been updated. So is ownership over at awesome.com. If you're already a premium sub, but you've got Baker Mayfield, 1.7% did not have by any standard, a good game. Joe Mixon at 15%, Jonathan Taylor. That was an awesome combo. And I promise you, we're going to be talking about a lot of 6k running backs again this week. Adam Thielen at 5%, CD lamb at 5%, Donovan people's Jones at 0.9%. Noah Fant at 2%, Travis Kelsey at 22%, and Colts at 15%. A lot of low-owned receivers in there, low-owned tight end, and a low-owned quarterback that did virtually nothing, yet he took down the Millie. Pretty amazing. Uh, was that the Millie here from – yeah, it was the Millie. From, that's crazy. I'm just pulling yeah. up. I, I pulled up last week's on accident here. For me, it really comes down to even looking at some of these top-end lineups. It was amazing how there's always one player that's kind of threaded throughout, and – it's interesting. The one 150 player who did really well was Rickety, and he had uh, 45% Ricky D. Ricky D, thank you. Um, I, I, I got that wrong it. last year, and I got laughed at. Well, there you go. Um, Ricky D, looking at that. And, and Adam Thielen, over 50% Adam Thielen he had in his 150 allotment in the slant, in the milli. It is incredible uh, how much uh, Adam Thielen was popping up in some of these top-end lineups. And, you know, it makes sense, like, a guy under 6K there. These mid-level running backs, you could kind of mix and match a couple of them that smashed. You had Daryl Henderson. You had Joe Mixon. You had so many of these dudes that kind of were right in that 30-point that ballpark, and you're going to need to do that again here this week. But, uh, you know, hitting on that one or two guys that, that kind of make your lineup work everywhere else and make it have a good synergy, so to speak, and have the correlations correct. I mean, it's incredible how, how one guy like that can make all the difference under 6K wide receiver who just smashes the slate. Matt, check out the uh, – I, I like to look at a single-entry contest too, like the large field single-entry ones. Check out the $12 single-entry fair catch. $300,000 prize pull, 30K up top. Matt, My this line is, of study is not working. You're going to have to tell me what it I'm is. Gonna, no, I'm going to read it right now. I'm reading okay. it to you. I, because it, like you might look at this at first and say, no, that's, I, I don't like that, but I actually love this lineup. So it was Matthew Stafford at 11%, then Jonathan Taylor. Daryl Henderson. So you've got Stafford and Henderson, right? I believe Henderson had a receiving touchdown as well, right? I think he did. Maybe not. I think he did though. Uh, Adam Thielen, CeeDee Lamb, Cooper Cup, Jared Cook, Mark Ingram, and Raiders. So he had Mark Ingram in there, Jared Cook, Thielen, CeeDee Lamb, but he had the Stafford, Henderson, Cooper Cup stack, which worked because they put up so many points and that took it down 30K up top. I think you can do stuff like that sometimes when you have like really large implied team totals and then maybe the less the rest of the slate doesn't. And last week wasn't a week where we had just like these like four or five 54 point totals. There were only a few on the day. So when you have like a shorter slate already because of bye weeks, then you have fewer teams with these really high implied team totals. I think you can take on some negative correlation as long as that's the team that ends up outperforming expectations. And I mean, that LA team last week in a cupcake matchup, it was something that you could have just looked at implied team totals and inferred. I don't think a lot of people are still building like that, especially with some of the tools like fantasy cruncher, whatever it may be. A lot of people are still trying to force in three plus one stacks with like two pass catchers and then a run back and not necessarily forcing in the running back into those stacks. So on certain slates where you maybe have shorter slate overall, only a couple high implied team totals. I think that can work. All right, Eric, what do you say we dive into a little bit of week seven ownership right now? That's what everybody's waiting for. That's right, my dude. All right, man. So running backs, I absolutely love the mid K range again this week. And I'm telling you right now, like last week I was, I was admittedly very underweight on Kareem hunt. Did it help that he got injured? Absolutely. 
Did it also have to do with the fact that, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but did it have to do with the fact too, that there were a lot of really good spots for mid range running backs that were getting a third or less of the ownership. Yeah, I absolutely think so. But this week, man, I don't think I'm fading or sorry. I don't think I want to come in underweight at all on Daryl Henderson. Let's start there. I absolutely love him. He's only projected for 15% right now. I'm honestly shocked by that because this matchup is so, the, against the, 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 the Lions this year. Running backs have been 13th, right? So lead running backs. And that was Elijah Mitchell in week one, sixth, fourth, second, and third against the Lions this year. They've been toasted by running backs. I don't see how Henderson doesn't eat them alive. And the one game that didn't go over 100 yards uh, on the ground was against the Green Bay. Was against the Green Bay uh, oh, Packers. Sorry. And the running back caught three touchdown passes. So I don't really know what to tell you. Uh, running backs are in a really good spot going up against the Detroit team. Everybody who plays offense with a pulse is in a good spot against the Detroit defense. That shouldn't be very surprising. And right off the bat, top stacks tool, just so that none of us can use it later in the day when we refer to it. You know, you're looking at the Rams being at the very top of that with leverage. But if you want to encapsulate the entire game with one player, or, I mean, we, we've seen some receiving volume a little bit for Henderson here and there. Combining him with some with some Matt Stafford as well. Everything about the Rams this week just sets up for an absolute smash. They're going to be the survivor du jour, as they should be, as 14, 15, 16-point favorites, depending on the book you're looking at. Uh, there's no way around it. Daryl Henderson, when you get a running a home running back that is this large of a favorite, DFS players are going to jam them in, and I don't see any problem with it. For sure. I mean, Matt, look, this is the crazy thing. The only lead back that hasn't gone, you know, had a solid game against them was in Baltimore, but they don't have a lead. They didn't have a lead back that week. And when you look at the overall production, they've allowed, this is the crazy thing. They've allowed six rushing touchdowns to running backs and six receiving touchdowns to running backs this season already. 12 touchdowns allowed the running backs. I just, I don't, how does, how does Daryl Henderson have a bad game? I'm not saying he can't, but if he were to, how does it happen? I think it's probably a little far-fetched that he does. I think maybe you get just long touchdowns from Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and they just don't have as many red zone trips. But, of course, like with as many drives and points as they're projected to score, it's pretty likely that they get in the red zone at some point. Like maybe maybe you have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby score the first couple touchdowns, and Sony Michelle comes in a little later in the game. But there's just not that many paths to failure for Daryl Henderson, which is why I like him a lot, too. Very surprised to see his ownership as, as low as it is right now. I do think it climbs throughout the week, but this guy has literally everything you could possibly want. His snap share is really high. It's climbed back up since the injuries to last week. Even in the blowout, he was still at 82%. Saw 21 attempts. Sonny Michelle, he did carry nine times himself, but I mean, that game was out of hand pretty quickly. And then in the past game, they didn't need to throw the ball a lot, but he still had three targets. And like you mentioned, they will target him a little bit in the red zone. And I like offenses that do that a little bit. Sometimes they come on like jet sweeps or quarterback, like little shuffle passes instead of direct handoff. So if it's dropped or whatever, it's an incompletion and the Rams use that. So I, I Henderson's a really good play, especially at his projection and his projected ownership right now. I really like him. I, I really like a lot of running backs though. I, I'm going to throw a few off to you, Matt, that, that you can hit on. Truba Hubbard's getting around 15% against the Giants. He's been handling a massive workload. Uh, 88% of running back carries since McCaffrey went down. He's out-targeted Royce Freeman 19-3 to on the season. You've got uh, Josh Jacobs against Philly. I think this could be the first game that Josh Jacobs has 20-plus carries, even though he hasn't been efficient. And Leonard Fournette is actually getting a little bit more ownership than I expected. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot up there. I even like Devontae Booker a decent amount against Carolina. They've allowed 534 rushing yards over their last three games. That's more than six teams have allowed on the entire season, Matt. Yeah, that's a fantastic matchup overall. And I don't think he'll be somebody that's played as much, but trying to unpack some of the names you mentioned. Hubbard is basically playing like Christian McCaffrey light role, kind of like what we saw last year with Mike Davis. Yeah. But Hubbard, I would just caution looking too much into like the box score and the snaps last week because Carolina did have to play from behind in that game for a lot of it. But Hubbard, while he only played on 65% of the snaps, he saw 94% of the opportunities, the carries which is what I think we should be focusing on here. And then you look to the receiving game, like the snapshot indicates that a lot of times they weren't even using a running back on the field, but he still had three targets. Royce Freeman had zero. You mentioned the pass game usage for Hubbard. 
it's basically Christian McCaffrey light. And we still haven't seen that blow up week. It's why his price is still affordable and his ownership is in check. I think that's certainly something we can target based on where those numbers are coming in right now. With Josh Jacobs, I'm still a little bit weary of him. He has been in more of a timeshare with Kenyon Drake than some of the other names we mentioned, like Daryl Henderson and Chuba Hubbard. But there is certainly upside with the matchup here. They're favored against Philly. The total is high. And like you mentioned, it could be a game where he sees 20-plus carries because of those factors. He saw 16 last week, and it wasn't even an ideal script. Kenyon Drake is still involved there, which, if you're splitting hairs, would lead me more towards Henderson and some of the backs that have a more secure workload. But I think Jacobs could be a fine pivot depending on where his ownership closes. Yeah, look, I don't disagree with you. And Eric, I'm not saying that I'm in love with with Jacobs. He has not rushed efficiently this season, but he has found the end zone. He's the clear goal line back there. And what's interesting to me is when you look in chat, uh, Jacob Kimball says Philly's defense is going to stuff Jacobs this week. They might, but consider that Philly's allowing more rushing attempts per game than any other team because their time of possession is so putrid. I mean, they're 30th in time of possession this year. They're running this, the fifth fewest plays per game, allowing the seventh most plays per game to the opponent. When you think of it that way, that they just can't keep the offense on the field, you just see them get grinded down throughout a game. And if you told me that Henry was going to get 20 carries, I think I'd probably take my chances on that, given that he is the red zone back. Where do you stand with the rest of these chalky running backs this week? Yeah, so going up and down the rest of the board here, I think I do like Leonard Fournette quite a bit. Joe Mixon um, is just jumping off for me as well against Baltimore. And uh, Baltimore, repeatedly, just not the same defense that we've seen in previous iterations until apparently they play the Chargers. That came out of nowhere. Um, especially just on a, on a little bit of a shortened week for him. Uh, that was kind of an unbelievable performance, but I'm going right back to Joe Mixon again. Uh, I have no problem going to him. Where it starts to get fascinating for me is Daryl Williams is right now coming in with 13.9%, and considering this is an ownership show, against Tennessee, I, that just feels, that feels pretty high to me. I mean, I understand it's very flat up here on the top end, but for him to be the fifth highest owned, uh, running back here in this spot, I, I know that Jarek McKinnon was not nearly on the field as much as people were anticipating maybe to get more of a passing game role. Daryl Williams looked actually pretty competent in the pass game role and pretty confident there in Buffalo and limited work, five targets, four targets last week. And, and obviously he's the one who popped with 23.9, but even that isn't going to get it done. I think on this kind of a slate at 5,800, I think I would rather get to other guys um, uh, in the range. So just in terms of mid range plays that are getting a lot of ownership that I'm not as high on, I think I'm much more in line with, uh, with getting to the Patrick Mahomes stack side of it than I am Daryl Williams. Not that that should surprise anybody. All right. What about Derek Henry, Matt? I mean, 9,200, this guy is an absolute freak. And I say that I, there aren't enough superlatives to, to describe how good Derek Henry is day in and day out. He's like, I could honestly go on about it forever. The, the breakaway speed, the ability to wear down defenses in the second half, shed every tackle, steamroll people, another three touchdown game. He's on pace for over 2,000 yards in 16 games, not 17. Would be the first player to ever rush for 2,000 yards in two seasons, let alone in back-to-back -back seasons. <laughs> I mean, is it worth us saying, you know what? Maybe I'll Eric's laughing over that. It's crazy, though, man. The stats are nuts. Like, do, do we... Do we say, hey, you know what? He's expensive, but this guy is is stupid good against a terrible Chiefs defense, and I'll take my chances. And as you like to say, Matt, make concessions elsewhere. Yeah, that I was I was going to bring that up because we do. <laughs> That's have, your word, man. I, I adopted him. it as a matter yeah. of fact. Yeah, it's like we've been doing the show for two years now. With, I know. <laughs> with Derrick Henry, you're you're going to have to decide between him and a couple other expensive players. At receiver, you do have guys like Cup and Adams is a, a little bit cheaper, very, very small price downgrade for him. But there are some, and Tyreek Hill, of course, Travis Kelsey, these are all names on the slate. And right now, based on like everything we've said, it does kind of set up where we have some running back value. And I'm not necessarily sure we have like a punt wide receiver we're really comfortable with right now. So it's, it's kind of just the fact that if you plug Derrick Henry into your lineup, this is a first glance, of course. He's going to take a valuable running back spot where you could potentially play a value guy you feel really good about. And when you do that, you kind of have to punt off a wide receiver spot, maybe, maybe a tight end spot. I'm not exactly sure. Haven't built yet. You're going to have to punt something. And I'm not sure you feel as good about that build, but we'll see as the week goes on for tournaments. Of course, Derek Henry at 
That's a little lower than I expected. I'm certainly going to play him if it stays in that range. What about you, Eric? Derrick Henry's outrageous. Um, I will never get him right. And that's just the way that it works. Actually, no, I got him right two weeks ago on a main slate. And then you decided to fade him on a one game showdown slate. That went well. I did. I did. Because I'm a sicko. And Osama did the same thing. So I felt smart. I felt like a nerd. And then like fade, fade. Like not full fade, no, but I mean, I just, I was light on, I was extremely underweight and 150 lineups. I didn't have him in the captain's spot. And then he pulled a Derek. Is there any more anomalous player from a DFS standpoint than Henry when it comes to people just, you know, you're a fish play. If you, if you hit on, and I'm not talking about you, but like you always hear you're a fish. If you hit on a big Derek Henry game, but then Derek Henry every week just keeps having big games until he doesn't, you know, until he doesn't. And Week well, one yeah, against but Arizona. That's anybody. Right. Totally. And against the Jets, too. 28.7 for his salary there when he was just next to 9K. I think it was 8,800 that week. Uh, wasn't exactly the most ideal situation. You had a number of running backs outperform him. And that's fantastic for cash games. I think he's just somebody that you make work every single week for cash games. And I don't think you have to think twice about it. But playing tournaments, I mean, this mid range is, again, it's just outrageous. And, and finding ways to get a little bit away from, from super chalk. And just like last week, right now, Derek Henry coming in 15.1%. It's obviously a more difficult matchup against Kansas city here, but they're at home. They're going to have the opportunity to try to slow it down here and just give Derek Henry the ball a ton. I, I, I think you got to find ways to get different there because he's going to steam up to 25, 30% here by the end of the week. I find it impossible that it, it happens every single week with him. <laughs> I know. You know, can I, can I just say, first of all, he is averaging three targets per game. For Derrick Henry, that's good. But, like, Matt, where do we get to a point where we all acknowledge that targets are worth more than carries, but 30 carries a day is pretty good, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I think the build's going to come down to, in cash games like low-risk contests, do you play Derrick Henry or do you play three cheap punts? Because there's not really a direct pivot for him in tournaments. Like if you're still trying to build that stars and scrubs with a running back position, you either fade Henry entirely and just play mid price guys. Otherwise like your nearest pivots, probably Aaron Jones and he's nearly two K cheaper. So there, there's not like Camaro's not on the main slate. So there isn't a direct one for one pivot for Henry. So it, in cash games to, to Eric's point, he is very hard to avoid. You don't have a lot of, unless again, you just punt off the running back position and play like three of the Daryl Henderson's Chuba Hubbard's Fournette, whoever it may be. I think outside of that construction, you're just playing him in cash games and for tournaments at 15% ownership, like that's, I don't think you really need to argue that anymore. His ceiling is enormous. Yeah. And full disclosure, I haven't built any lineups yet, Eric. I was just speaking mm-hmm. to the point that I think sometimes we, we get tied up and looking at Derrick Henry is just like, all he does is run, but when you when you're going right. to lead the league in carries by maybe I'm, I'm not joking by maybe 130 carries at the end of the year and you're averaging three targets per game like I, I do think that has to at least be considered because the workload we're seeing and I say this seriously the workload we're seeing is actually unprecedented on the ground based on what he's pacing right now because if you give it to anybody else they die like right. you can't yeah give- exactly they're going to be on the field in pain and suffering Could he just imagine- kills other people. He literally, I mean, it's, it's beast mode on crack and it's, it's difficult, but 9,200 for Derrick Henry. For me, this slate is going to come down to how Derrick Henry does in comparison to the upper end of wide receiver as well. You have Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill and Cooper cup all underneath nine K. And if they outpace Derrick Henry in any kind of way in a PPR format, all seem to be in fantastic spots. Devontae Adams against this decrepit Washington secondary Tyreek Hill against Tennessee, which there are no words for the kind of upside that exists there. And Cooper Cup against Detroit. Come on. I mean, these are three phenomenal plays underneath 9K. So I'm looking at Derrick Henry in comparison to the rest of the field. And as opposed to two weeks ago where I just didn't see anybody else once Christian McCaffrey got ruled out and you just jammed a ton of Derrick Henry in your lineups because you had Devontae Adams, him, and then nobody else really on that top end. Uh, Chiefs weren't on that main slate. I think you have other options and other pivots and other ways to spend your salary. And I feel a little bit more comfortable. And maybe this is just a fool's idea of it. I feel more comfortable just taking shots with the upside, getting away from it, considering I know Derrick Henry's ownership is only going to skyrocket between now and Sunday. Fair enough. 
it is crazy though. Matt made a point that like he's on an Island in terms of salary, right? There's not really mm -hmm. anybody else even close with McCaffrey out. Uh, no Camara on this slate. If you had to guess how many fantasy DraftKings points per game is he averaging Eric? Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to come up with a number 30. Yeah. 31 per game. Okay. So, not it's, bad. Is that, is that good? It's, it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's preferred. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, I think we hit on a lot of these, the, the, the chalkier option. I think we hit on all of them actually. So when it comes to pivots, Matt, I don't, there's not a lot here that I, that I like right now. We have 10 running backs projected for double digit ownership. So it really is flat. I don't know how crazy you have to get in being different. I might take some shots on Miles Sanders for the first time in weeks. It feels awful, but I might. Is there anybody you like under that 10% range? It's just so hard to talk about pivots at this point in the week with so sure. many injury questions like Damian Harris, Antonio Gibson. Do we get David Montgomery? Like, I mean, I, I don't think we get a lot of these guys, but like so many players are hurt down here. Because right. McKissick could be great if he's if, if Gibson's out. Yeah, like Ramondre Stevenson. And I mean, I think New England's still a timeshare, but we're, we're just dealing with so, so many injuries on a short week too, that you probably see some condensed ownership unless we get like a value play emerge or something like that. But so, I mean, like under 10%, it's really hard, I think, to talk about any of these guys. But I mean, and sorry for David Montgomery, I meant Damian Williams, not David Montgomery. Damian Williams was on the COVID list. We'll see if we get him back. I like Chase Edmonds a lot, but he's still even 10%. Yeah, he has 10 carries over the last two games. I, I'm wondering if that shoulder injury is is affecting him. I, I really do. I, I at this rate, I don't know. He's played only he's played like two fewer snaps over the last two weeks than James Conner. I know they've been winning, but they're also what 16 point favorites again this week. Yeah. I mean, you could look to Connor then. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Look, I, I I'm not comfortable with, with with that backfield, but in tournaments, it makes sense. If Connor gets two goal line carries, he's five of seven on goal line conversions this year. So if he gets down there, he's probably going to score. Yeah. And I think that just speaks to like the, the ownership this week. Most people, if everything holds true and there's like some players that we don't have surprise injury news on a lot of these, like under 10% ownership backs are going to be really uncomfortable plays in your lineup. So I think like taking a shot on James Connor a guy that is in basically a 50 50 timeshare with chase Edmonds, but has a very clear role on the goal line in an offense. That's going to score a ton of points. I mean, their implied team totals North of 32. Yeah. Those are the kind of, those are the kind of stabs that I'll take this week. For sure. Eagles offensive coordinator said that, and chat mentioned this as well, Eric, that they need to get miles Sanders more involved. We all know coach speak is largely bullshit, but um, this game could stay close. I will take, I, I can come, I can be pretty light on Sanders and still be overweight to the field. So I'll get a little bit of him. I don't really have a ton of pivots and I think Matt's right about it's very early in the week with injuries. Is there anyone right now though, that you kind of like, I don't want to talk about him, but I'm going to embarrass myself by talking about Mike Davis because he's 5,200 and I don't think it's crazy. Okay. 5,200 Mike Davis quarter out Patterson. We'll see what his ownership is. Uh, the guy's been out of, out of control. Like I don't even really know how to assess it, but 13 carries now back-to-back -back weeks for Mike Davis, 5,200 going up against this Miami team. And man, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel exciting, but Miami's just been hemorrhaging a lot of work on the ground until that Jacksonville game. Uh, they had also failed to give up under 120 yards on the ground this entire season. Between the two of them, I mean, Patterson was starting to get more involved just from a carry perspective last time out, 14 carries against the Jets, but they were in control of that game until they just weren't in garbage time. They put the hammer down early. And I think quarter Patterson just started getting more work than Mike Davis might have gotten there in that spot. I like to at least think so. That's the narrative I'm spinning in my brain, but 5,200, that price just continues to creep down. He hasn't popped off yet here for anybody. He's just been a little bit tempered, but only one, what one rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown here on the season Against this Miami team giving up over 29 points per game, I'm pretty I'm, – I'm willing to take shots more so on Mike Davis than I am on Patterson. Okay. I, I don't blame you at all for that, man. He, Pat, Davis is still getting opportunities. Uh, Matt, you had anything else? Either of you guys got anything else at running back right now? Uh, and, Matt, the spots to look out for are what, right? We're waiting on Damian Harris. We're waiting on the Bears' backfield. 
I think the Gibson news, I don't, I don't think he plays. The guy had an MRI. I mean, I really do not think he plays. He's already dealing with one injury coming into another one. JD McKissick got a ton of work in a come from behind mode. So anything else that we're watching out for? Those are the big ones. I, I think that Washington's going to remain a timeshare either way with McKissick playing his pass game role and Jared Patterson being more of the early down back, which is kind of interesting to say because he's a really tiny back. He's like 195 pounds, came out of Buffalo. And then for you should have some clarity on the Bears situation because it's a COVID situation. So either Damian Williams plays or he doesn't. If he does play, I think that's more of a timeshare. Cool Herbert played really well. But if you have him miss the game, Cool Herbert would be, again, a very good play. But, I mean, that, that's a long time for Damian Williams to test negative. So I think they should get him back. And outside of that, just the Patriots situation, they're going to basically run a timeshare, I think, if Damian Harris is out. But we'll, we'll have to wait on most of these. Matt, just to clarify why I, I like McKissick a lot if Gibson's out, because I don't disagree with that analysis. They're what? Almost double-digit dogs to, to Green Bay this week. Last I looked, it was nine and a half, ten in some spots. The, I, I don't see how we don't see like Alex Smith to Jarek, Jarek, uh, J.D. McKissick type volume this week if they're playing from behind like they were last week, 10 targets. I think the PPR upside for McKissick could be significant. And without Antonio Gibson, if he even sees eight or 10 carries, you might be looking at a 20 look game for, for McKissick. Yeah, for sure. And for what it's worth, Jared Patterson cannot catch. He had zero catches in his final season at Buffalo. Wow. He had 20 career receptions in his entire college career. He is by no means a pass catcher. So that is JD McKissick's role. Eric, wrap us up at running backs. And yes, I know we spend the most time at running backs every week because, well, right now it's the most important. Uh, so again, because we have so much injury stuff kind of waiting on the pipeline, one guy that I'm looking at, and again, this is this is just me in my tournament brain trying to find guys that are just absolute flyers in this spot. And Latavius Murray right now is questionable. You're looking at a Baltimore team that runs at the highest pace or at the highest frequency of anybody else in the league. So uh, you have Le'Veon Bell, you have Devonta Freeman there. Devonta Freeman seems like he's the clear passing back there in that spot. Tyson Williams was inactive. I would assume he would just be activated and probably see some kind of work, but underneath 4,500, I think that there's really nothing on a week-to-week -week basis. He would at least give you a completely different kind of roster construction. So Devonta Freeman, somebody at 1%, 2%, you want to kind of join me with, enjoy. And yes, Gerald, Alex Smith. I'm talking about last year when Alex Smith was targeting McKissick, like what, 50 times a game, something absurd like that. I know you guys remember the, that string of weeks where McKissick was just getting like a 40% target share in that offense. That I think you could see not obviously not that, but they're already beat up at wide receiver. So, and tight end Alex Smith at QB will do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. But we saw Heineke go to McKissick 10 times last yeah. game too. So crazy. Could you start seeing something similar? Yeah. Maybe not to the same extent, but I think you could see a lot of that. Hey, uh, Eric, what do you know about prize picks, bro? Oh my God. Prize picks. What is prize picks? Or drink your coffee. coffee. Oh, you, you know, you can start. <laughs> Prize picks. Uh, it's a, basically a spot where you get to play props, correct? If I had to guess. Yes, that's correct. God, you screwed that up so bad. That was all on you. I thought you might actually, when I say, what do you know about prize picks? Given that I know you host shows and you actually know stuff about prize picks, that you would say more than, oh, prize picks. It's a bit, Buffy. I thought I had a second. If it uh. was a short bit, I'd have said, hey, have you heard about prize picks? Would not have taken a sip of coffee there. You know, but you're right. I take I share partial responsibility. Forget about it. You know what Prize Picks is, <laughs> right? And for those of you that don't know what Prize Picks is, you should check it out. One thing I hadn't been promoting about Prize Picks that I think I was making a mistake on because it's a, a pivotal it's pivotal in deciding whether or not you're going to throw a parlay in at some of these other books or go over to Prize Picks where you have daily prop based contests is. You can play two, three, four, or five prop lineups, right? And unlike other traditional books, you don't have to hit all five of them to cash. I think that's what makes this so special is you could hit three or four of them and still have a nice profit. There's no juice on the over, on the under, anything like that, just props, right? The yes or no, the over, the under, all of that stuff over at Prize Picks, a ton of different sports as well. Seriously, go to prizepicks.com or download it in the App Store or check it out in the Google Play Store. Look at some of the prop offerings they have for sports. If you have some niche knowledge of sports or you like staying up 48 straight hours to watch a cricket match, 
prize picks is for you. Or if you just like basketball or baseball or, or NFL or PGA or college football, all of that stuff, League of Legends, Counter-Strike, like they have everything over there and you can combine them if you want. So if you're doing a five prop lineup, you can combine NBA with NFL with NHL. It doesn't all have to be one. It's really awesome. It looks good over there. You feel good over there. And you'll feel even better when you use the promo code AWESOMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Get a $100, uh, up to a $100 instant deposit match bonus when you sign up at PrizePix using the promo code uh, AWESOMO. Eric, do you have any? Do you have anything that you just feel great about this week? Uh, I have one of my favorite props of the entire season this Ooh. week for you on Prize Picks. Matthew Stafford, two hundred eighty-five and a half passing yards. Run, do not walk to Prize Picks. Uh, go over there, hit the over on that Love right it. now. Osmo projected as I started my process yesterday, three hundred thirty-one point three passing yards here in this spot going up against the Detroit Lions. We expect them to be able to move the ball with Daryl Henderson, who we talked about. We're about to talk about Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, Van Jefferson getting in the mix, Tyler Higby. This passing game is as elite as it gets. They are going to put their foot on the throats of these Detroit Lions. They're going to just go winless here, apparently, this season. But Matthew Stafford, 285 and a half passing yards. It is very rare. You get a 50-yard disparity between our projections for a player and the prop. I mean, this is just too good to be true. Gerald says, Jordan, and I agree with you, Matt. Jordan, I need you in that smooth-sounding voice on here. Laffy sounds like nails against the chalkboard compared to you. Matt, we're just getting complimented left and right today in chat, bro. Yeah, people are really dissing us in chat, thinking I don't read it. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. You said <laughs> I do read it, RIP. Wait, if you Matt, don't have a smooth voice, what do I have? Because mine is as nasty as it gets, dude. Listen, listen, man. I, I came into this business by happenstance. We all did, right? I wasn't groomed for this. We just <laughs> fell into it. Matt, I've been screaming from the from the rooftops that the biggest edge on prize picks, the biggest edge is betting the touchdown props. Because like Thursday night, get that. Monday night, Derrick Henry was 0.5 touchdowns over or under, no juice. At every other book, he was at least minus 215 to score. And they're going to eventually see these shows because we sponsor, they sponsor us and they're going to check in on us and see how the reads are going. They're going to be like, we got to get rid of that shit. But for now, I will continue to hammer the touchdown props when you're getting an insane, insane value on what would be a heavily juiced over on any of these, on a lot of these lines. Yeah. I mean, just think about touchdowns. They're harder to project, especially for like, bookmakers because you can't projecting like 0.5 touchdowns is the same thing as projecting 0.8 touchdowns so if, if we're projecting 0.9 at awesome or something like maybe yes they should have the line at one but there's just a bigger discrepancy between our projection and what they're listing at 0.5 because they have no incentive to list it at anything but the half so you're just going to lead to more efficient inefficient lines that way for sure. It's legitimately off the board at prize picks. So well, they, I don't, they don't, I don't believe they'll add them until like tomorrow right. or so, but mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame them for just for, for Derrick Henry. It should legitimately be like one and a half touchdowns. Or it should just be one. It should be one and you don't get paid out on that number. Sure. Yeah. But it's so easy to push that number. You don't want to do that. You know? Right. You wouldn't, but I mean, that would be the thing that would be logical for sure, a line I, I for it. Or you just juice the hell out of 0. 0.5. No juice right. on prize picks. But th that's what I'm saying, Matt. There's no juice on prize picks. Yeah, that's where you run into an issue. Like, they have to do one or you can't do it. Right, right. But that's why I'm saying, if you're playing over there, you have to be hitting these touchdown props. Like, you have, not all of them, but you're getting minus 150, minus 215. You have to hit them, whether they hit or not, whether you win or not. Those are literally the best value you're going to get on the site every single week, hands down. All right, prize picks. Get the deposit bonus using the promo code Osmo. Sorry, long read, but it's kind of fun to talk about that stuff. And I would hope that you guys appreciate if we're giving you, you know, like actual edges on these spots that you're not going to find on DraftKings and FanDuel or, or any of these sites that you would want to take advantage of that, you know? All right. Uh, Eric, talk to me about wide receivers at the top. Where is the chalk or where are you going with the chalk? Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams obviously getting a lot of love this week and for good reason. 
Yeah, as they should. And Cooper Cup is 8,400, and that's a misprice. It's an obvious, glaring misprice. If you don't play him in cash games, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we're looking at this Rams passing attack as being one of the highest leverage spots of the entire season. It's similar to what we saw with Kansas City two weeks ago or three weeks ago in the main slate where you were getting 15, 20% leverage. Same thing with Tampa Bay. It was two weeks ago, uh, you know, in that evisceration that they had against the Dolphins. So much leverage to be had going to this team. And, you know, the combination of Stafford and Cup should be popular. It will be popular, but it won't be popular enough considering. 29.3% top stack potential. A lot of that just is encompassing to Cooper Cup, who, I mean, has been targeted double digits every single time out. Every time he adds touchdowns to the board, he's going to break slates like he did last week. 37 uh, fantasy points there. I mean, he's just an absolute monster. Why he isn't priced above the likes of Tyreek and Devontae Adams, or at least alongside them, is beyond me because his volume is elite. His, his ability to get deep now apparently is elite. I, I don't even know what else to say. 8,400 is a glaring misprice. And a lot of what you're going to be doing is playing him in cash games and figuring out if you need to go elsewhere in tournaments on Sunday. Matt, one thing that was shocking to me is you've got guys like Cooper Cup and Devante. It's, I shouldn't say shocking, but it just goes to show you how good they are. These guys are averaging like 3.5, 3.3 yards per route run. And they're running a ton of routes. Like they're getting targeted. It's just the efficiency and the overall production straight and utter dominance from the guys up top. Yeah, it's a, it's a hundred percent true. I just want to echo what Eric said about like Cooper cup and the Rams. They're passing at such a high rate too, that it's just really hard for players like that to fail. And even at Cooper with Cooper cup specifically being cheaper than some of those other studs with the Rams being so pass heavy, especially in like neutral scripts, there's just such a high floor with him. And that kind of goes back to the Derrick Henry discussion. You can't play all these studs. So who are you prioritizing in your lineups among the studs? I've been generally prioritizing. If you can't get Henry and one of these studs, that is prioritizing the receivers with their high ceiling and high floor combos at a cheaper price than Henry. If that makes sense. It does. I get it. What do you think about the mid-range, Matt? Well, I'm sorry, not the mid-range. Uh, some of the other guys that are in, priced in the mid-range, but also getting a lot of ownership. I'll throw one at you uh, and then let you run with whoever you like. I, I don't see any way Julio Jones plays this week, another hamstring injury. And I do think A.J. Brown will be relatively popular. Similar to Daryl Henderson, I'm willing to get different elsewhere. I will likely have a good amount particularly against this Kansas city defense of AJ Brown this week in a game that if it saw 73, 75 total points, I wouldn't bat an eye for sure. And it's right now it's sitting at 57 and a half and oh, it's higher than it opened that it's going up for 55 and a half. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is the highest total we've seen this year. It's gotta be right. Yeah. That's the highest total I can remember seeing since that Rams. Uh, what was that game? That Rams shootout here in LA. That was Chiefs, wasn't control. it? The one that went to overtime? Yeah, Rams Chiefs. Yeah. It was just madness. And you had like three defensive touchdowns or something that just inflated and it hit the over by a mile. And it had a 60-point total. 60-point total. Did That's it really? It yeah, it was crazy. And it, this is crazy, too. The, the 16, what they play? Six, so 20, 22 games. 19 or 18 of 22 games that the Titans have played since the start of last season have gone over 50 total points. So, like... 50s, I, I get the 50s, not a ton, but when you're looking at it, just saying like, are there going to be, is there going to be some production here, even if it doesn't go sky high? The, the uh, history dictates that, yeah, we'll probably see a good amount of points in this game, Matt. Right. And to your point on targeting a lot of AJ Brown, that's a spot that I like a lot too, not only because of the immense total, but they're projected to be playing from behind. You have a Titans defense, which hasn't scared you at all. They just lost their first round pick, Caleb Farley. So you know the Chiefs are going to be scoring. And they do like to run Derrick Henry. They will run him when they're down. But to a certain point, you can only do that so much. And they're going to have to use A.J. Brown. Target should be funneled to him. He's had a fine target share all season long. He's been banged up in game. So if anything, I think it's a little bit depressed. But you saw him have nine targets in their last game. You're still kind of waiting for that eruption spot. He only had 91 yards, which is a very, very good game for A.J. Brown. But we all know his ceiling. And Kansas City has trouble defending both the pass and the run themselves. So if, they're, if Tennessee's down in games and trying to try to come back, good matchup for A.J. Brown. Targets funneled to him, cheap price. 
Right now, the ownership is still within reason. I think he's certainly a player you can get to in this range. I think by the end of the week, he might even be cash viable. I, I think he is right now, honestly. I mean, we have to wait to see what Julio Jones said. But do either of you guys think Julio Jones is going to play? I can't Not imagine. Not a chance that. in hell. Not a chance. No, right? He won't practice. I can guarantee you that. No way. Yeah, Will even he if he's perfectly Maybe. healthy. Yeah. Uh, Eric, the Titans are really one of the more enigmatic teams in the league, though, when you think about it, right? Like, they came in on Monday Night Football and and, and knocked off the Bills. That's, a, that's an impressive feat. Chiefs are still a, a stellar offense. But like, I'm not just I'm not I'm not convinced, though, that that this game doesn't stay competitive, even if it's a neutral game script, though, you're going to have A.J. Brown playing alongside Chester Rogers and and, and um, Westbrook, Westbrook Akina. Akina. So last year, you at least had Corey Davis and, and John U. Smith and, and and Brown still had a 26 percent target share. So what's his target share going to look like this week? We saw what happened when Jones went out. He just got peppered. So I don't know. I like him. Right there with you. A.J. Brown, 6,300. Uh, I will say, I always have this kind of inkling suspicion that whenever you get these primetime games and somebody sticks out the way that A.J. Brown did once Julio Jones went out of that game, they just, you add another 5, 10% to their ownership on the back end because that's that's the public money or the public player kind of coming in and just being like, oh, well, you know, Julio Jones is out, A.J. Brown. Uh, easy click. He just played really well. He's cheap. All of those things. And you have a direct pivot. Just get up to Robert Woods for another $100 there. If you want to get different on this slate, playing Matthew Stafford with anybody else other than Cooper Cup, which I don't necessarily recommend playing him alongside other people, but Robert Woods at 6,400 is just $100 more there. Then you start getting into this Tampa Bay offense as well. You start getting shares of Mike Evans up there at 6,500. There's so many great pivots. Jamar Chase uh, against Baltimore, probably the other good game environment to be targeting here on this slate um my actually only 27 total that's kind of surprising to me there but um i i absolutely think that aj brown is going to be a cash game staple and he will definitely be in my cash game lineup in the event that julio jones is out no way around it uh it's the best game environment on this slate by quite a ways so uh, for sure that but you do have pivots and phenomenal plays in the entire range chris godwin under 6k what are we doing here <laughs> what are we it's doing be it's because it's every week. It's somebody different, but with Tampa Bay, it can be three of them in one week. So it doesn't really matter. I, I I'm obviously with you on Chris Godwin. Jesus. I mean, somebody has one bad game. We just start throwing them out to, I, I don't get it under six K for the slot receiver for Tom Brady. Get out of here. Well, Matt, I'll give you another guy that one or two bad games and he's getting virtually no ownership. And I actually think this is one that throughout the week might hold. I'm probably going back to Terry McLaurin. I, 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 it feels like a spot where they're going to be playing from behind. You have the one of the preeminent cornerbacks in the league on IR for Green Bay. The, I'm willing to take some shots on McLaurin just because his ceiling is extraordinarily high. He might have a low floor in this offense, but that's one spot I will look to get to. He's now sub 7K on DraftKings. It is uh, the cheapest he's been since week four. So that's a spot I like. What do you like this week? I like Terry McLaurin too. That secondary is pretty banged up. You have Darnell Savage with a concussion still too. He missed their last game. So maybe they're down to safety. You're just going to have to watch some of these things throughout the week. McLaurin, I mean, he's just going to see a monstrous target share. He has a, on the year, nearly a 29% target share. And of course, that's going to be a little bit less efficient with Heineke out there, but you're still just banking on pure volume for him. There's a, a couple other mid-price players I think we could look to for just like big target shares. Ridley, he's somebody I think we could maybe look to. That game environment is, is pretty bad, but it's still a 47 and a half total. And outside of Kansas City, Tennessee, and Detroit, Los Angeles, we don't really have high totals. Like the third highest total is that Washington Green Bay game, speaking to your McLaurin point. But Ridley, as long as he's back with the team and no, there's no issues whatsoever, I mean, he has a very large target share, too, going up against a Miami defense that has been banged up. We'll see on some of their injuries they have in the defensive backfield. But just another high target share player, very efficient player that's coming down in ownership because he hasn't had a big game recently. I like that. Uh, Adam, or, sorry, Eric, anybody else here that, that might stand out to you? How dare you? How dare <laughs> you? 
Dude, when I start doing multiple sports, it gets, it gets rough. You know, I start talking about (laughs) captains as centers and, you know, or not captains, you know, catchers as centers. Fortunately, I didn't have to do any MLB content this year, but you get the point. You know, I, I I get it. Adam's an okay individual. I'm not going to say he's a nice guy, but whatever. He's okay. He's okay. He's all right. Jalen Waddle going up against Atlanta here. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really about this Atlanta Miami game. I think that that's kind of been a sneaky spot for me. It's just kind of targeting Miami at all times. It worked obviously really well the week I was obsessed with Tom Brady and the entire Bucks passing game. I'm definitely not saying that Matt Ryan's that, but there definitely is going to be some passing volume and some offense going on that side of the field. And Dante Parker, I mean, if he's still going to be banged up, if he's still not going to be playing here, he didn't play week six against the Jags over in London. I don't think he's probably going to play here again. Jalen Waddle, 13 targets, 10 catches, and he ended up going completely nuts in a game that I'm hoping most people didn't see. I bet he gets steamed as the week goes on a little bit here just because, you know, 5,600, actually probably not. He's under 6K, um, but it's not like he's some source of salary savings and, you know, low ADOT, but I don't really care. That's a ton of volume going to him on a PPR site like DraftKings. Happy to go to Jalen Waddle in a game environment, I think goes over that total for sure. All right, uh, Matt, I want to ask you one thing about Waddle because I actually listed him today as, as a talking point because I have some I have some reservations on him, but I'm also intrigued by him. He's top, he's ninth in in receptions this year, or sorry, uh, ninth in, in targets. No, I was wrong the first time, right the first time. Ninth in receptions and 54th in yards. And I only say that because in terms of what Jalen Waddle's doing in terms of volume, He's getting a ton of volume, but he has a 5.5 a dot. Are they going to figure out how to get this guy more involved? Uh, I'm sorry, just uh, more involved elsewhere outside of just on these, these short passes where he's getting 10 receptions for 55 yards. I know he scored twice last week and he's getting peppered, but like, where's the, where's that ceiling potential? Why can't they get him more involved downfield and, and, and elsewhere? I think part of it is like Miami is a horrific offensive line. Like coming into the year, they were ranked like something like 31st by PFF and they have not played well whatsoever. They have not gotten together. So you just don't have a lot of time for the signal callers. I think getting Tua back is a boost to the offense overall. And maybe you can see them throw the ball a little bit more downfield just with a more efficient quarterback in there. But even Tua hasn't played fantastic this year. So we'll see on him. The jury is still kind of out. But, I mean, they are using Devontae Parker a little more downfield. They're using Jasicki downfield. So it's one of those things where I think we're still in a relatively small sample size, and Waddle's usage could fluctuate from week to week. So I'm still willing to take shots on him because of the target volume in that price range, hoping the ADOT comes up. But you're definitely right. It is a major concern right now. Players with a lower ADOT than Jalen Waddle that have played oh, more man. than two games, Rondell Moore. So um, – <laughs> Eric, I think for this, it's a volume play, though, right? Like it's yeah, a it's a volume, volume play. play. I said, uh, on a PPR side like DraftKings, and sure. his ability to be targeted, I, I just don't know where else they're going. No Preston Williams probably this week, too. Uh, Devontae Parker, those are just two injuries to kind of keep your eye on there. Um, I, I think, it, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a high-floor situation if he's going to get targeted 13 times. I don't know who else is going to be targeting him there, and obviously uh, seeing Tua in there immediately increase that volume like instantaneously. So 13 targets, 29 fantasy points there last week. I know the two touchdowns inflates that number a little bit, but uh, in a game that I just expect Atlanta to be able to move the ball pretty easily on Miami as well. Um, again, I just really like 47 and a half. I like the over of that game, not to go into sports betting talk, but uh, I absolutely love that number. And I, I think Jalen Waddle's a nice piece to put into those game stacks. Whatever. Anyway, use it, Curry. And uh, tight ends, Matt, who do you like most at tight end? It ends a really interesting position this week. I think because we have both Waller and Travis Kelsey, and I was taking an early look at our projections. We actually had Waller projected higher than Travis Kelsey, and he's much cheaper and he's coming in lower owned. So I, I obviously Travis Kelsey's in the phenomenal game environment. Tennessee's secondary is brutal, and Travis Kelsey creates a matchup nightmare overall. But just like going back on our projections, Waller has such a high target share and a high floor. And if the projections hold, which They'll change throughout the week. Some monitor this just seeing Waller with the higher projection overall and lower ownership makes me think I'm going to get a lot more him in tournaments than Kelsey at first glance. What about you, uh, Eric? 
Uh, TJ Hawkinson under 5% right now. Uh, he was unhealthy until he wasn't uh, 11 targets, eight receptions last week. Uh, this game obviously is a, a massive mismatch minus 15 that we're looking at a, at a number of books. But if you're looking for a run back, you can do a lot worse than an under 5% 5,100 TJ Hawkinson, who I think is always going to be the target hog of this team. You know, it was the running backs the first week we've been trying to take shots or people have been trying to take shots, not me on some of these ancillary receiving options, but it's TJ Hawkinson who will be the target hog for Jared Goff. If they're going to move the ball whatsoever against the Rams, you got to be thinking he's going to be an important part of it. If I'm going uh, lower on, not, not real high on, I'm going to go with, with Dallas Goddard, no Zach Ertz in weeks three through five, when Ertz really got integrated back into the offense and, and mind you, Goddard was out in week six. So I'm not counting that weeks three through five. And Matt, I know you've talked about this a lot. Goddard and Ertz were running the same amount of routes. I think Goddard actually ran three fewer routes than Ertz over that span. He was out targeted by Ertz 21 to 12 over that stretch as well. Jalen Hurts has targeted his tight ends 45% of the time in the red zone this season. So if you're getting rid of Zach Ertz, who is now in Arizona, and you have Dallas Goddard, who was drafted to be their franchise tight end, I'm all about it. I mean, you have J you have Jack Stahl behind them, and then Tyree Jackson, a converted quarterback, who is the practice windows open, but he's not playing this week. No one else has taken a snap for a tight end all season other than Jack Stahl. So if Ertz, or sorry, if Goddard plays 90% of snaps this week and runs a route on 90% of dropbacks. I really wouldn't be shocked. Well, maybe not 90%, but I really wouldn't be shocked. So I think Dallas Goddard has a lot of upside in this spot. I don't know if people are, are really acknowledging how big of an influence Zach Ertz being gone has on, on Dallas Goddard. I actually like that range a little more than normal weeks where you do have Goddard. You have Ricky Seal Jones. He's about 1K cheaper. He's at 3,700. He's playing literally every single snap, functioning as basically a big wide receiver for that team. He's somebody I think you can run back in probably the third best game environment overall on the slate in Washington project to be from behind Ricky Seals Jones, just playing an immense role. And I also kind of like Mike Jasicki since the injuries to yeah. Devontae Parker and Will Fuller, Jasicki's not a tight end. He's playing slot receiver for this team. He's basically never lining up in line. He's a slot receiver for the Miami Dolphins. He's just 100 more than Dallas Goddard. So they're all kind of in the same ownership range but their volume is a little bit better than tight ends that are typically hovering in this like mid three K to mid four K range. So I'm going to try to stack a lot of these guys in the game stacks. We're talking about, we already, we talked about liking that Miami Atlanta game in the Washington game. I think seals Jones offers a very clear run back. If you're doing things like playing Aaron Jones or stacking Devonte Adams with Aaron Rodgers, So it's a range. I like a little more than normal. I like Mike Kosicki a lot this week for sure. Um, I also love talking about our top stacks tool that's included. If you use that promo code Curry, I know it was frozen. So in case you were distracted, Curry, awesome plus platinum, the full week, half off every single sport. We have all of our tools. And if you want to get the fantasy cruncher add on, you can now do that uh, weekly as well. If you just want to check out free content on the site today, we got NBA player projections, totally free PGA rankings and NHL player projections, everything free over there at awesome.com. Eric, Let's close it out with this top stack probability for the Rams first week all year that the chiefs have been on a main slate and don't have the highest top stack probability, by the way, not 29% for the Rams, 19% for Kansas city. And then you've got like green Bay at eight, Tampa at seven, Arizona at seven, uh, at highest owned quarterbacks this week will be Lamar. It looks like Matthew Stafford Mahomes, but they're not crazy ownership. Who is your favorite stack and who is your favorite leverage stack for week seven? And then you Matt. Yeah. So, I mean, you're getting so much leverage by going to the Rams in Kansas city right now. I mean, that's 50% of the entire top stacks that are basically encompassed by two teams and two quarterbacks and two stacks. That's unbelievable. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. So pretty much anywhere else that you're going to be going to on the board is going to be slightly leveraged towards the positive or just negatively leveraged. And so you're really kind of taking a, you're taking a stance one way or another. I don't know how you don't continue to be playing Tom Brady though, in this entire Bucks offense, passing at a ridiculous clip. You can stack them up a number of different ways for tournaments. Uh, Chris Godwin's going to be popular underneath 6K, but finding exposure to Mike Evans, you know, if it ends up being like an OJ Howard, Cameron Brady, if you want to take super low shots on the tight end spot there uh, with Gronk still out, 
I think being able to combine it with Antonio Brown obviously makes a lot of sense. So many ways to be stacking up Tom Brady. It's pretty flat to be going towards him right now. It's like a negative 0.3% leverage, which is, which is negligible. But if I'm going to have an offense that can keep pace with the Rams and the Chiefs and kind of outscore them, hard not to like Tom Brady. No doubt. And um, if you guys are in the NBA, the strategy show is on every day at 10 a.m. The deeper dive, two hours before lock, live before lock, one hour before lock, take you all the way up, talk all injuries, everything. So hang out with us for NBA. But I know we got almost 300 people watching right now. We're 19 likes away from 100. The people that are watching NFL shows during NBA season on opening night on a Wednesday, we know you're here for the right reason. So 19 likes, I think we could do it. Let's get to 100 before we close this out. And Matt, what are you doing at the top stacks here for the, with the tool? What are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing that there's only five teams with a positive leverage score on the main slate, and four of them are Matthew Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Kyler Murray. So does that mean I have to talk about the fifth and Zach Wilson? <laughs> you can do Jesus whatever you Christ. want. Or you can, no, talk, or you can talk about the fact that a 29.3% top stack probability on a 10-game slate is absurd. Yeah, I was just kidding. Don't, I'm not playing Zach Wilson. But <laughs> it, know, that, it, that just also speaks to Eric's point about how ridiculous – the Rams top stack tool is. And I mean, even if Kansas city was just sitting at nine and a half percent leverage score, that would be ridiculous by itself. And the Rams, they, they doubled that. So when we're talking about talking about under own stacks, it's really hard. They're all basically going to come with negative leverage scores. That doesn't mean one can't win. I would be trying to look for like as little negative score as possible, but Tannehill does offer that against Kansas city. He's only 3.1% owned based on our projections right now. And that's a spot where they're just going to be playing from behind against Kansas city. Presumably the secondary doesn't scare you there. And he's very clear stacking option in AJ Brown. I think you can even correlate if you want to double stack with some of the lesser positions. Like I'd probably try to get a Ferkser in there, maybe as a pass catching tight end. That's one I really like. And then I was kind of surprised to see Lamar Jackson being as owned as he would be after last week's complete dud. I think maybe that's because his price is still a little bit lower there. But Baltimore has surprisingly had the fifth highest pass rate in neutral game scripts this year, which is not something we've seen. That line is only six points. So if it does stay somewhat close, which bookmakers are projecting it within a touchdown, that could be a spot to maybe buy low. Right now, the ownership is still pretty high in Lamar, though, when it comes down to it. I like it, man. Uh, I'll, I'll leave us with this. I might get a little cute with the Rams and go Daryl Henderson, Cooper cup, no Matthew Stafford in some of these lineups. It worked for me the other day with Alexander Madison and Jefferson. Um, it really would, it would have worked for you with like an AJ Brown and a Derek Henry. I, I don't think it's crazy that Henderson scores two touchdowns and Cooper cup has two scores as well. And they, rack up points, but they can do it both on the ground in the air without Matthew Stafford being in the optimal, or we just saw a guy win the slant with Matthew Stafford and with Daryl Henderson and Cooper cup. I think Eric, what I'm saying here is if these stacks are going to be super chalky, but also have insane top stack probability, you're already getting leverage by just being over the field. Like they're not bad just because they're chalky, but maybe there's some ways to differentiate here with the Rams where you just have so many ways that they can score points. I agree with that. I think you could probably do the same thing with Robert Woods, Daryl Henderson. I mean, sure, there's, yeah, yeah. there's definitely some opportunities. So when it comes down to the stack, when you're combining the quarterback, I mean, you're, you're definitely looking for a QB one performance. That's, that's kind of what you're hoping for. But if you're not, you're going down to the cheap end and you're hoping that the ceiling you get from the other skill position players is somewhat close to, to the to the top end so being able to afford a Derrick Henry or a Devontae Adams in those kind of lineups it's going to be very uh, next to impossible to play Cup uh, Henderson Matthew Stafford with the way the salaries work out and then combine a high ceiling option but if you go down to a bottom end with a, a cheapy quarterback and kind of combine it and encapsulate those touchdowns if you get four touchdowns between Henderson and Cup or Henderson and Woods Yes, getting that punt down there allows for you to have access to another monster ceiling. So I think there's definitely ways that it can work out for you. And uh, I'm definitely shifting more towards having two players from some of these top tier offenses. Probably not where, you know, they're going to be two pass catchers. I do like the running back with the wide receiver a lot more. So it won't be like a Hill and Kelsey without Mahomes thing. But I think that there's definitely some viability to what you're saying. Yeah. And Matt, you know what? There's always going to be Deshaun Jackson or Van Jefferson as well. You Jesus. never know. 
I mean, you can play some of those guys. I, I would prefer Van Jefferson based on the more concrete role. But right. I mean, we've seen him have a big game this year too. And if you want to get really, really weird, say you're running like a hundred Matthew Stafford stacks, you should probably include some Deshaun Jackson in there. Yeah. It's not the craziest idea. All we're saying is with 30% top stack probability, there's ways to get a lot of those stacks and still, you know, change them up a little bit. And I'm all about it. I like the idea of it. Anyway, that'll do it for us. Follow your boy, Eric at Eric Linquist on Twitter. I promise you he is far more conservative and tame on Twitter than he is on these live streams. Oh my God. And, <laughs> and Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski. Thanks to Mike Barnes for producing. Nice job, man. We got through that little hiccup there. I don't know what happened, but it's all good. And we have reached the end of the road. So follow me at Lafay underscore D. Uh, awesome. At awesome. Underscore com. And we'll catch you back here for the next one. Check out prize picks. Use the promo code awesome. And use that promo code curry to get half off awesome. Plus weekly right now with the NBA underway. Peace.